University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. So you still see the paper chain that's going on up here as if you could ignore it. It's bright and it is our arts and crafts time, as Tanya called it, that we've had every week. Um, we started with this a couple of weeks ago as we looked at the hopes and dreams and the ways that we see that God is working in this church. We added on to it last week by talking about the assets that this church family has, and we've added to that chain. It's a reminder, a visual symbol of the fact that you and I are not alone in this place. And even more than that, we just as a congregation and a group of individuals do not make up just this church, but our stories come together, our uh, ideas ideas and our energy come together and God creates something even more from that than we could have imagined. And today we're going to talk about the importance of our stories and why it is important to remember those and to claim them and to own them. The scripture that we're using today is a simple scripture because it, it encapsulates a much larger story. In fact, we'll look at more stories, especially from the Old Testament, of the ways that people commemorated the stories that God had given to them, the ways that God showed up in their lives and among the people and the ways they chose to celebrate that. So 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, very simple, short verse. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, or Ebenezer as we call it, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Now, the Hebrew people were good at commemorating the places in their lives where God had shown up. We see several stories, and this is just one of those stories. But they commemorated not just the good things that happened, but also the difficult places and the challenges. Because in retrospect, they recognized that God was there as well. Why do they do this? Why do they put up a stone like this after an important battle? Why do they lift up a stone in a place where God had revealed God's self in, in an image or a vision to Jacob? Why raise up a stone when the people had crossed over the river? It's because as a people, they wanted to be able to remember the important places in their journey and where God had shown up. Because very often as human beings, let's face it, it's easy for us to forget that God is there and that God is walking alongside us. So we're going to look at a few examples of those stories in the scripture and talk about why it's important for you and me in our own lives to commemorate those places that God has shown up, but also why it's important for us as a congregation to commemorate those things. The first story that I already mentioned that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is from Genesis chapter 28. You remember the story of Jacob uh, as he was fleeing from his home. Now Jacob uh, started off as a very uh, interesting character, very um, conniving, uh, always trying to get the better of his older twin brother. Ended up tricking his brother Esau out of both the birthright and the blessing that his father gave. And when his brother Esau found out about it, he was so enraged and said, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. So Jacob runs away and he's fleeing from his family and everything he's ever known. He's spending the night outdoors uh, and for a first time, probably spent his whole life in the tent, sleeping on furs and soft surfaces, and here he only has a rock 
for a pillow. And God shows up in that moment in a vision God gives to Jacob of a dream of, of beings going up and down on a ladder or a stairway that goes up to heaven. And God spoke and reaffirmed the covenant that God had made with Jacob and with his father uh, and with Abraham to the beginning from Abraham. And Jacob, when he woke up in the morning, said, surely God was in this place and I had not recognized it. So he raises a stone there in that place. Now, we don't know exactly where that is, but the archaeology has shown us in general what part of the land that is. And he called it Bethel, the place of God or the house of God. And Jacob wanted to commemorate this moment because for him, it was important to know that God's promise was still true for him. Jacob felt like he was leaving everything behind that he had known, and he was. He was leaving behind his family. He was leaving behind all the wealth that his family had. He was going to have to learn to live on his own in the wilderness. Jacob was leaving all those things behind, and yet God shows up to him in a dream and says, don't worry. My promise for you is still true, and I am with you. And so Jacob raises a stone there in that place and says, this is the house of God. And the people of Israel remembered that for generations to come as they set up places of worship there and they would come to that place to commemorate where Jacob had experienced God and also where they would experience God. So this is one of the first things that we see, places of revelation, places where God reveals God's self to us. And Jacob raised a stone there. Now there are times in our lives when we have revelations, when God shows up to us in unusual places or maybe even in the usual places where God might speak to us through another person or a circumstance, a situation that seems to work out in a certain way, God reveals God's self to us. And it's important for us to remember that. Now, maybe you don't have a yard full of stones that you're standing up to make, <laughs> to make a monument to these things, but it's important to remember them because, again, as human beings, we tend to forget that God is walking alongside us. So that's the first one, is Bethel, the place where God revealed God's self. Another place that's mentioned in the Old Testament is in Joshua chapter 12. This is the story of the people of Israel as they are crossing over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You probably remember the story that they had left Egypt, that they were moving uh, through the wilderness, and at times they made God so angry that God basically said, you're just going to have to keep wandering around, and they do that for 40 years, making mistakes, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of analogies there for our story and for the people of Israel, but what finally happens is that they come to the edge of the promised land, and there they're standing on the bank of the Jordan River, well, waiting to cross over, and God parts the river there so that they can cross. As soon as the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they step into the water, and the water stops so that the people can cross through on dry land. This is a place of significant transition. Uh, Joshua decides to commemorate that moment by asking as they go across, asking representatives of each tribe, there were tw 12 tribes at that time, um, to pick up a stone from the riverbed and they took it to the other side and made a monument and said, this is a place where we will celebrate this time of transition. They had been wandering, they had been making mistakes, finally they were on the right path, they were transitioning and moving into the promised land and they set up a place to commemorate that. And for generations to come, the people of Israel could come to this place and see where God had brought them across the river. This is just a stock photo. That's not really it. We don't know exactly where it was. Um, but a place where they crossed the river and re recognized that God had led them there and that God was taking care of them, even in this time of great change. 
So the first thing that we talked about were times where God reveals God's self to us. The second one is times of significant transition. And in our lives, there are places where we transition from one job to another, from one home to another, from one stage of life to another. And in those transitions, God is just as present with us as God is at any time, even more so, it seems, sometimes. And so it's important for us to remember those transition times and where God showed up. The next place that we see is the story that we read at the beginning of this, and all you had was the verse that just saying why it was set up. Well, this was a place of victory or success for the people of Israel, but it started with a place of defeat. So we have to kind of backstep just a little bit. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the people of Israel were fighting against an enemy that was stronger than way they were by far by the Philistine army. And the people had become so accustomed to hanging on to these holy relics and things that God had given them, this Ark of the Covenant, that they thought, if we just bring the Ark of the Covenant into the battle, it means that we are going to win this battle because it means God is with us. We have the Ark, it's important, so God's going to have had this victory for us, and they were defeated. They were not just defeated. They were utterly defeated. Thousands of them died, and the ark was stolen. So these people who had this evidence, this physical box, this ark of the covenant, whatever you might remember, we don't know exactly what it looked like, but Indiana Jones has given us a good idea, um, and this box that contained so many relics and pieces of their history and was a symbol of God's presence among them. Imagine this. This symbol, is, it, it was taken from them and was, was kept among the Philistine people for several years. And so they were completely defeated at this time, and this was a place of defeat for them. But later, they came back to this same field, and they recognized that what was important was not the fact that they had this special box with them. This was not the main idea. The main idea was that they placed their trust in God. And as they placed their trust in God, as they made sacrifices and prayed in the ways that God had shown them how to do, they ended up having a great victory. They had the ark back. And so this was the place where Samuel, the prophet, raised this stone and said, this is a place of transition for us. This is a place of both defeat, which is the same place where they had been defeated before, now became a place of victory. And this stone, again, this is just a representation, marked the place where they had experienced a great failure and a place where they had experienced a great victory or success. It represented both of those things. Why is it important for us to commemorate our failures? Failures, if you go and look at any uh, TED Talk, well, not any TED Talk, but there's lots of TED Talks that talk about how much we learn so much more from the places we fail and fall short than we do from our successes because it reminds us of places where we have weaknesses or places where we need to improve. It's those growing edges and those challenges that really move us forward. And if you go from success to success to success to success, first of all, it's not sustainable. It doesn't really happen that way. Um, and second of all, you never learn. You never grow. We grow from our failures. And the people of Israel learned an important lesson from this defeat. They learned that it's not about the special things that we carry with us. It's not about having a cross on the wall. It's not about having a beautiful building. It's not about making sure that you keep your Bible in your car, or that cross hanging from your rearview mirror. It's about the relationship that we have with God and the trust that we place in God. And they learned that lesson. They would have to keep learning it again and again. So do we. 
So we have these four instances, these stories in the Old Testament of places where the people encountered God in a new way or they had some revelation or some special place that they commemorated with stones. And it was places where God had revealed God's self to them, to Jacob, uh, there in the wilderness. Uh, places of victory that we see in 1 Samuel. Places of defeat that we also see there. And places of transition that we saw on the banks of the Jordan River. And these stones, these special places commemorated places in their lives, in their stories that made up who they are. They made up who they were and who they still are today because they're part of my story and your story too. As inheritors of being God's people, we also inherit that story and we have so much to learn from these places. So my first challenge for you, we're going to have a couple of, of response times today. The first one uh, involves this card right here that you can take out. Um, and I invite you to just take, we're going to take three or four minutes just to think about these important places in your life where God has shown up. These places that are significant events in your life, uh, maybe, maybe not even think about it just as places where God showed up, but in important events in your life that have shaped who you are, both good and bad, because it's the good and the bad together that make up our entire journey. Take a couple of minutes with a pen or a pencil to write down some of those things on this card to keep. We could easily take a long time to do this. In fact, I encourage you to take this sheet, put it in your, um, in your Bible or in a place where you can have it in view um, and come back to it over the course of this week. Write down some of those places, um, even the hard places, and ask yourself, where did God show up 
in that hard place. When Tanya and I were overseas, this became a spiritual practice for me, was writing down these stones of help. Sometimes I would blog them even, because it was important to be reminded in the midst of some of the struggles and the things that we experienced there, the places where we remembered very clearly that God had shown us that that was the place we needed to be. Um, there was, there's several stories from when we were raising our money because at the beginning we had to raise all of our own funding to go over. Um, and there were just these instances of places where people would call and things would happen. It was just like, yes, this is a place that God has for us. And later on when we were struggling, for instance, uh, a story that, come, that I just wrote down on my sheet that I hadn't thought about in a while was uh, the church that we were worshiping at. We started helping them lead worship and singing in worship and it came down to this big political theological issue and suddenly we were banned from doing any of those things up front in the church and it was a big defeat it felt like. Um, and I had to go back to those stones of help to remember, this is the place that God has us. What is God showing me through this? And through that, we recognized um, that we needed to be a little bit more culturally sensitive to how we approach things, and also what maybe some of our place of service was not uh, in that time that we needed to understand. So keep these things, hold on to those, uh, and remember them, and come back to them, because these places where we have both victories and failures, where God shows up in a big way in our lives, those are important to keep in front of us because it reminds us that God is with us in all the other times as well. So there's a few things about this, and I want us to bring this into the community aspect and think about us as a congregation because the stories that we have, both as individuals and as a congregation, make up who we are, the good and the bad. We need to own those things. There are great places and times in this uh, life of this congregation where God has done amazing things, where we have done amazing things, whether it be mission trips or events that we've had on campuses or uh, amazing moments. You have some of those things in mind because you have more history here than I do, and I'm going to invite you in a few moments to write some of those things down. But there's also the difficult places. There are places that we have heard about since we came here where there were people who left because things were said that were hurtful. There are people, uh, there are pastors who left because things had happened that were hurtful. Um, there are many events in the life of this church that are not just the great good old days kind of things, maybe even hard memories to remember. And it's important to keep those things in front of us because all of those things are a part of our story. If you just went through and wrote down a chronicle of your life and just talked about all the good things that had happened from beginning up until now, it probably wouldn't be a very exciting story because there's a lot of challenges and a lot of difficulties that got us to those places and through those places. So the good and the bad, they all come together, and that is our journey every step of the way. So that's the first thing, is that our stories make up who we are. Those are our journey. The second thing that I want to remind you as we think about the stories of this congregation is that stories are powerful. If we own and acknowledge those, those stories, those things that happen to us, and especially the bad things, if we own and acknowledge them, that can be an empowering for us and can give us power. Um, Tanya and I have a, a very good friend, a very dear, close friend, who experienced uh, sexual assault when she was very young. She did not talk about it. She did not discuss it. She did not bring it up with anybody for the longest time. And that story had power over her. I want to say that again. 
She didn't talk about it. She didn't acknowledge it. She didn't do anything about it. And that story had power over her. She saw it later as she looked back how it shaped her relationships, especially with men over the course of her life, because that was such a powerful story. And she came finally in therapy and other ways to begin to acknowledge that difficult part of her past. And now she is empowered over that. She has figured out how it has shaped her life and has said, no more. It's not going to do that to me anymore. I'm going to choose to live a different way. Has it been easy? No, absolutely not. Has it been powerful? Yes. All of these difficult stories in your life and my life and the life of this congregation, they're hard to talk about, but they're so important to talk about because otherwise, if we don't own them, they will have a powerful impact over us anyway. There's a story that I've heard, and I'm sure there's some kernel of truth to it, but um, but um, it, uh, it came down through, through lore as we talked about things in, in classes and seminary especially, that there was a, uh, a young woman who had loved to cook and she would cook her holiday meal. And every time she cooked her holiday meal, she had a ham that she would cook and she would cut the end off the ham before she put it in the pan. And she did this year after year for every major holiday. She would cut the end of it off. And her daughter, her daughter asked one day while they were working together and talking about how they cooked, she said, Mom, why do you cut the end off of that ham every time you put it in the pan? And she said, you know, I don't really know. My mama always did it that way. So she went to her mama and said, Mama, I noticed that I cut the end of the ham off. Every time I watched you at holidays, you would do this, you would cut the end of it off before you put it in the pan. Is it something about keeping the juices inside? Is it something about a part that's bad? And her mama said, you know, I don't know. That's the way my mama always did it. So she went to her mother, who by this time was not cooking the holiday dinners anymore, and said, Mom, why were you doing this? I watched you every holiday dinner that we prepared, and you showed me how to do it. You cut the end off of your ham before you put it in the pan. And she said, oh, honey, that's because my pan was always too small, so I had to cut the end of it off to get it to fit. The story had carried down through generations, and it's a funny story, but it's true that the stories that come down through generations that we may not acknowledge have power over us and shape the things that we do. There are some darker examples of this. Uh, in the mission teams that we had over in, in Slovakia, frequently we would go with them before they left to Auschwitz concentration camp. And there on the wall, as you enter the museum, is a quote by George Santayana, the great philosopher, who said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And it's a perfect way to enter a very, very difficult place because you're coming in and saying, these are our stories. If we forget that this happened, if we forget the things that we did in this place, they will happen again. I've seen it in churches. As I looked through the, the church that we pastored, that I pastored in Virginia before we moved overseas, um, they celebrated their 100th anniversary when I was there. So I went back through their history, found all these old photographs, got to search in newspapers and things. It was really cool. Um, but I noticed the pattern of their pastors. They had a pastor who was very much loved in the community, was kind of an overfunctioner, spent like probably 18, 20 hours a day at the church, and then the next pastor would be unengaged and would stay around for a couple of years, but really refused to pick up the rope of, of doing all the things for all the people in the church all the time. And then the next pastor that they would hire would come in and be that overfunctioning pastor again, and it was like, you could see it, you watch it as you see it over the course of their 100 years, this kind of pastor, that kind of pastor, this kind of pastor, that kind of pastor. It came down in their story. They never acknowledged it. I 
tried to help them see that uh, a little bit while I was there, but that story just kept coming back again and again and again because the stories that happen in our congregation in the life of our church have power over us whether we acknowledge them or not. So, all of that said, um, th th there's one more important point to remember, uh, and we'll talk more about that next week. Even though our past stories may be written in stone, our future stories are not, and God has the final say on that. So, um, we'll talk about more about that next week, and that'll be another set of, of uh, arts and crafts. But if you'll take out your um, paper slip for now, what do we want you to write on here? is places, where would, where would those stones of help be in the life of this congregation? Whether you've been here a few months or many, many years, you have experienced some of the stories, you have seen some of the things and the ways that God moves in this church. Write some of those down, even the difficult ones, especially the difficult ones, because there's some things that we're probably going to have to go through, some dirty laundry and closets that need to be cleaned out, um, both literally and figuratively, places that God has shown up in places that we have been challenged and grown. Write those down, and we're going to collect these at the end. Now, you don't have to put your name on it, so it's anonymous. So if there's something in there that you really don't want connected with you, um, some difficult story, write that down. Don't worry about uh, whether or not we know who it is. Um, but write that down, and we're going to add that because it's a part of our journey. This chain is filled with beautiful things. This chain is going to be filled also with challenging things. But all of that makes up who we are. So I invite you to take two or three minutes now to write some of those things down on this slip as we conclude our time together.